Hey guys, this is Pastor Zach, and you are listening to Sermon Notes here at HPC. Isaiah chapter 8, um, there is, a, the Lord brought this up on Tuesday night in prayer, and he had kind of already been sort of speaking to me from this area, and if I've talked to you, um, I might have brought this up because years ago, the Lord put one line of this passage on my heart, and it was for me, it was like, uh, Zach, this is me convicting you, love God. You know, it was, it was that kind of line. We're going to get to it in a minute. But there's a really great um, word to the remnant, okay? Now, if you're not familiar with remnant theology or uh, references to the remnant in the Scripture, the remnant is basically um, a group of Hebrew people who, uh, when God called them back, they came back. The remnant were the ones who returned from exile to rebuild uh, Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the walls under Ezra and under Nehemiah, under uh, prophets like Haggai. They come back, and they're basically a people who, even though they had spent time in Babylon, even though they've spent time um, out in the world, they did not become uh, Hellenized by it. They didn't come become, uh, you know, adherents or adapters to the world around them. The remnant were a, a group of people who said, no, we want to continue to pursue our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what many of you don't know is that in the first few months of our church, before we had a name, um, we were actually a prayer, a group of prayer, uh, prayers, <laughs> people who prayed. Um, and uh, we were kind of feeling this call to the remnant. And we started calling those prayer meetings remnant meetings. And, uh, and I want to just clear something up real quick because I think sometimes we think remnant and we're kind of like, it leaves us with this sort of sense of like hopelessness, like, huh, just a remnant, huh? That's all it is. Um, but I, I'm encouraged by this because number one, God was encouraged by the remnant. And if you get into scripture, you start to find that his heart, it's like he only really needed a remnant to accomplish what he wanted to do. But I, if you're writing things down, I want to make sure that we're clear on the difference between a remnant and a scrap, okay? Because some of us, we think remnant, and we automatically think scrap, right? You think, oh, uh, you know, a little piece of something that's like torn and frayed around the edges. But a scrap, saints, is what's left when the rest was useful. A remnant is what's left when the rest had to be scrapped. And this is hard talk. This is real talk, all right? And I'm not going to say we're the ones who got it right and everybody else got it wrong. I'm, that, that, don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. I'm saying that there are a lot of people, especially in the last days, especially in the season that we're living, who identify with the name of Christianity or Jesus or church or just God. And unfortunately... Just like their time in Babylon, our time in the world has adulterated and sort of perverted our maybe what was once pure faith. And maybe that didn't even start with you. Maybe that goes back generations. In fact, it definitely goes back generations. But the important thing to understand is you decide whether or not you're the remnant. That's everybody's decision. This isn't like a, I'm not preaching an elect sermon this morning, okay? I'm talking to anyone who hears that call, feels that tug, and says, I'm going back. I'm coming back. 
I'm coming back to the heart. I'm coming back to Jerusalem. I'm coming back to the city of our God. I'm coming back. And thank God, how many of y'all are glad that we don't have to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem? How many of you would get vaccinated just to go back to Jerusalem this morning? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Thank you. Um, We don't have to because that pilgrimage is to a place in our hearts where the Lord meets with us. It's, it's, uh, it's, It's back to a temple that now exists in our soul. Is anybody in here doing the soul study, wrapping it up right now? Some of you guys? Okay, good. So you guys just did a deep dive into why the temple is a soul and what the implications of that are for us today. But saints... The call to the remnant is really the call to any and all of God's people. Whoever responds becomes the remnant. Everything else has to be scrapped because they're not coming back. They're not obedient. They're not surrendered. They're not submitting. They're not yielded to the call of God. That's hard. That's hard stuff. So I'm just glad we got it out of the way up front. Everything else is going to be so easy this morning. Chapter 8. I'm going to begin reading in verses 9. And some of you have a subtitle here that says a believing remnant or something like that. But it says this. This is good news right here. Be broken, O peoples, and be shattered. (laughs) And give ear, all remote places of the earth. Gird yourselves, yet be shattered. Gird yourselves, yet be shattered. Verse 10 says, devise a plan, but it will be thwarted. State a proposal, but it will not stand. I love this line right here. To the remnant, for God is with us. We're going to stop right there. This is some heavy stuff, but fortunately we don't have a lot of time. So the good news for you is that, you know, I'm not going to going to keep you under this weight for very long. The Lord might keep you under it all week or all month, but that's between you and him. Coming out of the gate, be broken. Be broken. Some of your Bibles, if you have a New Living Translation or a, a Christian Holman Standard Bible or something along those lines, your Bible may say uh, something very different than be broken. It may say, gather yourselves. It might say, band together. It might say, huddle together. Seems very contrary to the idea of be broken, doesn't it? And yet they're not. This Hebrew word that is translated in some of our versions as be broken and others as associate yourselves, it literally does mean associate yourselves. Well, Zach, why does it say be broken? Because very often, in fact, more often I think than not, the word that means associate is translated as be broken. Why is that? Because to become unified under any other name than the name of God is to be broken. I'm going to say that again. To become unified, to band together, to gather yourselves together, to come together, to huddle up, as some of your newer, more modern, fancy translations say. Huddle together. To do it under any other name than the name of God is to be broken. We were created to be one with God, but when we form alliances and allegiances with the world, saints, it often results in the breaking of fellowship with the Father. You see how you can translate it either way now? Associate yourselves. Gather together. Be broken. It literally means the same thing when we're doing this apart from God. And so this prophetic word to the remnant this morning... I believe is saying this, 
You have a choice. You have a choice. You always have a choice. Choose you this day. What day? Every day. Today. Whom you will serve. Who you form allegiances and alliances with. Choose you this day who you associate yourself with. You want to hear the crazy thing? This is in a passage about the fall of both Damascus and Samaria. And in it, there are references to Judah and Jerusalem. This is not just a word to the world. It's a word to the people of God who have formed alliances and allegiances with the world. It's even a word to the people of God who have found themselves united, congregated, gathered under some other name. How many of you guys know, if we can be real with each other this morning, that even allegiance to church, even allegiance to church, allegiance to denominations, to certain teachers, certain prophets, And it's so easy. You get, you get hooked on like a good, you, get, you find a good church and you just, you know, sink back into it. That's your church. These are my people. I love this place. This is where God lives. It's an immaturity thing in us really is what it is. Because there's something in our broken, fallen nature that finds peace and comfort when we form allegiances and alliances with other like-minded people. The problem is the only allegiance and alliance that we have with anybody else is a byproduct of the oneness that we ought to have with the Father. But all too quickly, we begin to ascribe to some teaching. We begin to follow some prophet or some prophetic circle. We get on some newsletter or some YouTube subscription. And now that becomes our connection point. That becomes our covering. That becomes the, the, the thing that is the, the mouthpiece of God to us instead of us forming that unity and that bond with the Father himself. We end up breaking fellowship with him in order to have it with something else. we got to be careful. Jackie, we're going to be dangerous with you on the front row. It's going to get real in here. It can happen with churches. It can happen with um, governments, nations. I'm not, I'm not one of these guys that stands up here and says, you know, that if you're a patriot, you're going to hell. Or that there's something wrong with nationalism or anything like that. What I'm going to say is that as the people of God, we have been called to take ownership of where he puts us. The problem is when where he puts us takes ownership of us. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. I love our nation. I love America. I love the flag that we raise up because I do believe that, that we can be in allegiance as a nation. I believe that we can be in unity as a people but I love how it says, one nation under God. The people that formed this nation only came here and did it because of their oneness with God. How far we've come. I'm not here to say, hey, let's, let's, uh, you know, let's renounce all of our ties with everything under the sun. 
What I'm saying is, if your oneness and your allegiance, your unity with the Father, does not stand at the tippy top of this thing, if every connection that we have, your only connection to this country should be the fact that you are interceding and believing for God to move again. Your burden for this nation, it's not even that we get a certain president in office or that we get a certain po political party, this or that. Our, our responsibility here, just like Isaiah prophesied to Israel as they were in Babylon and all unsettled and restless, he says, settle down. He says, build houses and plant fields and have children. Take ownership of the place God has placed you, but you better not let it take ownership of you. There's a big difference. I think, um, I think the, one of the byproducts, and follow me here for just a minute, one of the big issues with finding our identity in a church or a fellowship or a denomination or a certain, even, this is going to be a little scary, even a certain um, interpretation of a certain doctrinal point, okay? I remember um, I grew up in a denomination. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost in a denomination uh, who took great pride in saying that our distinctive, and that was the word, our distinctive is that we believe in the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we wore that like a badge on our chest, okay? Like a notch on our belt. <laughs> Did you say hoorah? Security, come and take Claudio out, please. We don't hoorah in this, in this church. I'm just messing with you, bro. But, but, but <laughs> that's exactly what it was. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to come together and we're going we're gonna to form this, we're better than everybody else. We're stronger than everybody else. We've got something they don't. That's true. You might have something they don't, but they've got something you don't. And they've got something that maybe in the season we're living in now, we need it more than ever before. Oh, ouch, it hurts. But when we come in under the unity of these giant these conglomerate things, whatever it is. And sometimes we think that if it's big enough, if, if, if our denomination or our church is strong enough, if it's growing fast enough, the bigger something gets, the more we think it looks like God. Because God is big. So when we see something get big, we're like, hmm, look at that thing. All right. I say that about my stomach. I see it getting big. I'm like, Wow, it's pretty impressive. Look at the growth. Look at the growth rate. We, we feel this because, because we see strength when we see size. And so when we think of a, of a, of a oy, this church um, ascribes to this certain doctrinal set of doctrinal statements or this certain statements of faith or this certain dogma or this certain theology, and we're like, well, this has been around for, uh, you know, ever since, you know, the apostles, or this has been, people have been saying this and believing this, and we think that longevity, we think that all these different things, that they equate to something closer to God. But saints, the problem is, that thing cannot be closer to God than you. You know why? Because those are words on a page. That is the cold, dead letter of some other law that Jesus fulfilled when he said, be one with me. 
So we can't do that anymore. We've got to forsake the, the, the ascribing ourselves to these things. There, and then there's the side effects of doing that. The side effects. One of the side effects is the complete assassination of the priesthood of believers. Because the bigger the thing that we become a part of, the smaller we feel. The less significant we feel. Some of you guys in your flesh, you, you, you've said, oh, I'm going to leave a big church and go to a small one so that I can be somebody. Do you see the fallacy in that? See the problem in that? It doesn't matter if you're a group of 30 or a group of 30,000. You're somebody to the Lord. And if that was all that mattered, it wouldn't matter to you where you were. And that's all that matters. Well, my kid doesn't get to sing on the worship team here, Zachary. Listen. Listen, saints. It's so important that we're walking in obedience to the Lord. It's so important that our oneness with him presides over whatever partnership, and that's probably the best word for it, whatever partnership we have in whatever organization, whatever affiliation, whatever association we have on the earth. I've seen, I've seen, I've actually heard people say, oh, I go to this church, but they're so big, they don't need my tithes. <laughs> I love that one. We're so big, we do need your tithes. <laughs> We're so big. And this is, the, this is the best part. It's like, I'm going to go to a church that's so big that I can just be blessed by what they have to offer, but not worry about blessing them with what I have to offer. There's like, there's so many issues with this. And I thank God that our, our provision comes from heaven. But I, um, I think about churches that are like seriously hurting and uh, struggling, struggling to keep their doors open, struggling to, um, you know, pay their bills and pay their staff and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I, I heard a statistic um, years ago, and it was something like 2 or 3% of Christians um, pay tithes. And I know that we don't pay tithes and for a bunch of different reasons. Some of us because we got hurt um, with our giving. Some of us because, you know, uh, we just have decided in our head that we're going to give to some other charity or something instead. We, we've come up with a lot of different things. But as I was preparing this message, I felt like the Lord say, one of the biggest reasons people struggle with this is because they're not in unity with me. They're in unity with some other organization or entity, even the church itself. And when we come in and we see our oneness with the Father through the filter of our oneness with the church, we can quickly start to hold ourselves up to the rubric of who we are in that church. Well, I don't have as much money as that person. I can't give like those people. I can't support like this. So why am I, gonna get, why am I even going to give something when I need it so much worse? Why? Because you're looking laterally instead of vertically. You're looking horizontally, and your eyes are on, well, look what they can accomplish without me. Think of what we could accomplish with you. Think of what the Father could accomplish if, if we start to walk not in the law, but in the principles of what he's shown us in his word. I love, I love how this word goes on. And uh, after he says to the remnant, for God is with us, he says this, 
Well, let's back up. Verse 10, devise a plan, but it'll be thwarted. State a proposal, but it will not stand. This whole idea of getting ready and being shattered, what he's saying is that plans and proposals, it's not that plans and proposals don't work, it's that they only work and they only really last when they're made in communion with God. So whatever that, whatever that thing is, whatever that great idea is, we have two options. We either bathe that thing in prayer and, and, and hold it out before the Lord, or we go off on a wild goose chase to see what we can accomplish without him. And when he says, for God is with us, the point is he's drawing a distinction. Isaiah is drawing a distinction between stuff done with God and stuff done without him. That's why there's a direct correlation between your prayer life and your product longevity. We see this in churches all the time. Churches, and, and there's, a, there's a, the more and more, Ashley and I, um, for fun, we watch other church services on um, live stream, like afterward. We watch the archive services and stuff, and it's awesome. And it tells us where to pray and how to pray and stuff like that, too. But um, it's, it's crazy to me how many churches right now are being stirred to hold prayer meetings. And they're taking a night of the week, and they're setting it aside, and they're saying, we're going to pray. We're just going to pray this night. It's like, it blesses my heart because the church only bears eternal fruit. Remember John 15, bear fruit, fruit that what? Remains. We only bear fruit that remains when we bathe it in prayer. When it's birthed out of communion with God. Everything else that we give birth to, it doesn't stand a chance because he is the eternal part of us. His spirit made one with our spirit. If that's not what is, if that's not the driving force behind whatever we're doing, it's going to fail. And it might be a year and it might be 10 years and it might be 100 years. I'm not saying that people in the world haven't figured out great business strategies and plans. I am saying that a lot of what they've found works, they found it in the word. They found it in the principles of the kingdom of God. And so... I think this is a wake-up call to us to be challenged. This God with us, and what it says for that word is literally Emmanuel. It says God is with us. It just says Emmanuel in the Hebrew. This is the game changer. It's not how well we plan and propose, but how well we prioritize the presence. This is why when it came to, God, what do you want us to do for Easter this year? Instead of planning and proposing, Instead of, hey, I have an idea, now let's brainstorm and figure out how to make it work. We don't, need, we don't need another brainstorm session. We need another intercession. Okay? That's how stuff's going to happen. So, verse 11, let's just keep going here. I've got a few minutes. Verse 11 says this. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy, and he shall be your fear, and he shall be your dread. Then he shall become a sanctuary, both, but, but to both the house of Israel, a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over, and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Let's stop right there. When God says, don't walk in the way of this people, right here, when he says, don't walk in the way of this people, in verse 11, he elaborates on that statement. Can you go back to verse 11 for me? I want you to pay attention to this because 
He's saying, don't walk in the way of this people, saying, comma, you are not to say it is a conspiracy in regards everything to everything they call a conspiracy, and you're not to fear everything they fear. This is God's explanation of not walking in the way of this people. This is God's call to the remnant. Hey, if you want to be the remnant, we're not going to get caught up in conspiracy theories, all you right-wing extremist Republicans in the room. This is a word of the Lord for you this morning. And when I say you, I mean me, okay? Some of you guys are only here because I'm a conspiracy theorist, and I'm going to tell you right now, you are gathered under the wrong name, okay? We don't gather under any other name, not even the name by which we vote, okay? You are not to call a conspiracy everything these people call a conspiracy. And now, for the other side of the aisle, and you are not to fear what they fear. There's another extreme. And it's that we're going we're gonna to believe that we need to be afraid of everything we're told is scary. There's another extreme here, and just as many of the people of God fall on this other, on this other line, this ticket, that whatever comes down the pipe, whatever's in the news, whatever I hear, whatever's from the, the, the White House um, news report, Whatever's in the press release, and let me tell you something, it's all bad news. It's all scary. But here's the word to the remnant. If you want to be the remnant, you're not to fear what these people fear. You're not to fear what these people fear. You're not to fear what these people fear. By the way, when he says you're not to call, he doesn't say it's not a conspiracy. And by the way, when he says you're not to fear, he doesn't say because it's not scary. Guys, there's a, there's a little bit of sympathy woven into this. Hey, by the way, it is a conspiracy. I've always wanted to say that loud like that on the microphone. It's just <laughs> something in it satisfying. And by the way, it is scary. It's scary when we're seeing hundreds of thousands of, of, of numbers come across our TV screen of how many people are dying and how all over the world and how the only thing that's going to stop this is if we take this vaccine that was invented five minutes ago. It is scary. And I, I'm not going to take that away and I'm not going to diminish that. It is scary when we have people from our church in hospitals on ventilators, when we, have, when we have loved ones of people in our church who have gone home to be with the Lord through this last season, it is scary. But you're not to fear. It's a big difference. You are not to call a conspiracy what these people call a conspiracy, and you are not to fear what they fear. The Lord of armies is the only one to regard as holy, the only one to fear. And he adds here, he shall be your dread. If our eyes were really on the Lord, if we hadn't associated ourselves with some temporal, earthly construct of man. See, I think for a lot of old school Americans like me, you know, we're, we put a lot of hope in the uh, American armed forces because they're heroes. That's why. 
because they're incredible, because they've laid their lives down time after time, decade after decade, generation after generation. The veterans and the armed services of our country ha have done what people only think about doing, what Hollywood can only make movies about. They're doing it. And yet our attention is drawn away from not these people who are dying from you, for you, but to the one who died for your soul, the Lord of armies. Not the army, the Lord of armies. Not the military, the Lord of armies. And, and I'm praying this morning that we can think bigger than whatever our associations have been. I'm praying that, that whatever safe place we've found ourselves in, if we've hoped, if we've never been afraid of foreign countries that are gathered together, that are huddled together, when it says, all you nations of the earth, devise a plan, state a proposal, uh, uh, all you people get together and see what you can come up with, and we're not afraid, if we've said we're not afraid because we're citizens of these mighty United States, then we're wrong. The reason we don't fear is because we have a greater strength because of who God is and who he's revealed himself to be for us. If we've said we're not afraid of how bad this world gets because we're part of this church, we're part of that church, we're under this, we're better than this because of how we live our lives, guys, we're falling for the same old lie the Lord of armies is the only one to regard as holy, the only one to fear, and the only one to dread. And in verse 14, it says, then he shall become a sanctuary. When you get your butt out from under some other sanctuary, remnant, you thought you were safe in Babylon because Babylon had a great army. Remnant, you thought you were safe maybe under Roman rule, maybe among the Greek culture, maybe when Assyria came in and started flashing all their weapons around. But the Lord of heaven's armies said that he shall become a sanctuary. And I want you to pick up on these next couple of lines here. He says he'll become a sanctuary for the remnant, but to both Israel and to Judah, he will become a stumbling block, an offense, and a snare. God, why are you going to do that? This is hard to swallow. But here's the deal. It's not God himself that becomes these things. It's the erroneous beliefs that these people have adopted about him. If you, if you see what's happening here, the prophet is saying, this same God, this same all good, all loving, all knowing, all strong Lord of heaven's armies God, the God that will become a sanctuary for the ones who get out from underneath these other coverings and come and gather in his name and become one with him, that same God, the reason it becomes a stumbling, the reason he becomes a stumbling block is because these people, believers who've identified with him, they believe that they can have the good parts about God while enjoying the good parts of Babylon or the world around them. And that is a tragic and fatal error on the parts of God's people. Israel, Judah, Jerusalem. You know what a snare is? 
A snare is something that holds you in place while your predator can come and get you. That's what a snare is. And it was the religion. It was the religiosity over people who found their covering in Jerusalem instead of under God. It was people who felt safe inside city walls instead of inside walls of fire. It was people who identified with a set of laws and ordinances of what we can and cannot do. And that is what religion is doing today in New England. It is holding people fast in a place where they are vulnerable prey for Satan. And God's name is all over it. We've got Bible verses to go with all of it. It all checks out in our theology books. But it keeps us from moving. And when the enemy, when the lion prowls, when the enemy comes to pounce, we're held fast. And we think we're singing like a tree planted by the wall. A friend of mine used to sing Daniel Audette. Remember, he used to sing like a spoon planted in my oatmeal. I will not be moved. But it's not God that's keeping you there. It's religion. And you're not somewhere you want to be. You're stuck in a snare. And the things that you have mistakenly, the things that I have mistakenly believed and adhered to about God has been the very thing that has kept me captive and pray. Let's stand together. I'm going to close with this. This is where it gets good. If you're in some prophetic stuff and it's heavy, just keep reading. It'll just get heavier. Then he shall become a sanctuary, but to both the house of Israel, a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over. God's not a stumbling block unless we're choosing not to build upon him. The cornerstone, the foundation of Jesus Christ, it only becomes a problem for people when they don't choose to incorporate him into the base of the foundation of everything they believe about God. You see how it works? And then all of a sudden, it's this rock that you keep stubbing your toe on because it's laying out in the middle of your yard instead of where it should be in your foundation. Verse 16 says, Bind up the testimony and seal the law among my disciples, and I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will even look eagerly for him. Behold, this is you this morning, saints. I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in Israel. From the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. You see, when we accept the call, when we're willing to leave behind the comforts of the places we've lived, when we're willing to leave behind the associations and the allegiances and the alliances and all the identity and the unity that we formed to make us feel safe. I've had so many people say, Zach, I can't come to your church because you don't have a statements of faith on your uh, website. And then I've had other people say, Zach, when somebody came and said that, why didn't you just put a statements of faith on your website? And my answer was, I don't want them here anyway. Because I don't need somebody coming in and deciding that they feel safe here because of a statements of faith on a stinking website. Guess what? 
I can put anything on my website to get people to come in here and I can be so far off, it's not funny. Who cares? Who cares what's on the website? Who cares what's on any website? Who cares what's written in, in a three-ring binder in a file somewhere in a, in a cabinet that nobody ever gets out? The only thing that we become one with is God himself. Stop. And then he will become a sanctuary and I and the children whom the Lord has given me, we will be signs. That word signs, the first place signs was ever used was in the creation narrative when it talks about lights turning on in heaven stars the distinction between light and dark that was the first time the word for signs was ever used it wasn't used in miracles it wasn't used when somebody dead was raised or somebody's sight came back it was used because something was created that distinguished light from darkness and saints you and the generations that god has given you are for one reason and it is to distinguish light from darkness. It is to be the kingdom on the earth, wherever you are, whatever township, whatever region, whatever nation, whatever church you go to, you are to be that twinkling thing that indicates there is something greater here. There is some sign of life here. And wonder. A display of God's power. Saints, the remnant will be used this way. The people who come back. See, it's been prophesied so many times that in these last days, in this move of God that we're seeing now, that there's going to be signs and wonders, miracles, miracles, miracles. Everybody's talking about miracles, miracles, miracles. And by the way, they are happening. They're happening yes, on Tuesday they night. They're yes. happening at the altar on Sunday mornings. They're happening in small groups. Um, incredible, incredible things are happening. But saints... The greatest miracle is that we would be used as a sign. That the remnant who returns would walk in the ways of the Father. That the remnant who returns would disassociate from everything else that we've found strength in, that we've found hope in, that we've found joy and life and peace, and that we would say to the world, there is but one source. There is but one eternal life it's the life that we have so father we thank you we thank you for your word we thank you for your name and we thank you that you're holy god i pray that you would forgive lord help us to help us just to receive lord this forgiveness that just comes with the beckoning to a remnant the the forgiveness that comes that says hey i'm still calling you back even to this day God, those of us who have forsaken the cross for the American flag, God, I pray that you would get our priorities straight in Jesus' name. Lord, those of us who have, have chosen to walk down the black hole of conspiracy theories instead of walking in the path of righteousness back to the place you've called us. God, those of us who have chosen to ro roll ourselves up in the fetal position and to just willingly be afraid of everything that the world spoon feeds us, God, forgive us. And awaken us, Lord, that what can be shaken would be shaken and fall in Jesus' name. 
So, Father, that the bride would rise up, the remnant, Lord, would take its stand, and that you would be revealed and glorified to this earth. We give it all to you, Jesus. It's all yours. Amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. Have the best day of your lives. We'll see you next week. This is Pastor Zach, and you've been listening to HPC Sermon Notes. Love you guys. God bless you, and have the best day of your life.